When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ghost of the Night, a hauntings and paranormal podcast. I am Phil Sam. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to check out this podcast. Now, today we are talking Hellier. Season two has come out, and that is exactly what I want to talk about. I'm going to give my thoughts and what it means to the paranormal community. So stick around. Ghost in the Night with Phil Sam's. So I know I'm a little late on this review, I guess, for lack of a better term, review. The show has come out season two. Now, if you didn't catch season one, I know it's on, I caught it on Amazon. I know it's, I think it was on YouTube as well. Um, season two has come out is, I pretty, pretty sure at this point it is only on Amazon Prime. So you might need to get that if you want to check out this season. But in my personal opinion, it is definitely worth checking out. The reviews have been up and down, and some people love it, and some people aren't that fond of it. And I'll kind of get into that in a little bit. So, what is season two? Now, season two picks up where they left off in season one. The saga continues. Season one, just for a quick recap, recap they went to Hellier, Kentucky to look for goblins, essentially. And it stemmed from many years ago, Greg Newkirk had gotten an email from somebody from Hellier, Kentucky. So they started to pursue this, and that is where we're at season one. Now, naturally, like most paranormal shows, they did not find much. They went down the rabbit hole and did conjure up some interesting leads, but ultimately they did not find anything. The person who sent the email, they couldn't. he did not exist. They did not find him, and it kind of left you wanting more with season one. So naturally, season two has come out, and they continue the investigation. Now, the entire series is really based on synchronicities. And whether or not you believe in synchronicities as the paranormal way to communicate something, let us know that everything is tied together, that is entirely up to you. I'm not a 100% believer in synchronicities, but I think there is something to reading and listening to the signs that you are given throughout life. So. I don't play it up as much as they do in the series or in the season, but I do firmly believe that there is something a little bit to it. Maybe not as much as they want you to believe, but there is something definitely to it. Now, I have been waiting for this to come out 
for a while now, especially since I knew they were doing another season of it. And I was really curious on which way they would take it. Because whenever you do the paranormal type investigation or paranormal search like this, you know, you're not going to find a lot. If somebody was going to find definite proof, then it would have been done by now. It's a tricky subject. It is, you are always answering questions, but as soon as you get what you feel is an answer, most often things happen or it leads to more questions. Well, I've said this before, we'll never get a true 100% actual answer to this question, to any of these paranormal questions. But it, it doesn't mean you can't continue to search, you can't continue to look and try to find find out what is going on, what is the meaning behind it, what is causing some of this activity. Let's talk about the actual season two. Now, it starts off a little slow, honestly. That You know, they dive into a little bit more of the Indra Cole and the Mothman connection to this entire series that they played up a little bit in season one, or they, they played it up pretty good in season one. But they continue going down this. Now, they actually, I like I said, I was a little late on this, so there are probably going to be some spoilers in this. So if you haven't checked it out, you might not want to listen to this or watch it on YouTube, however you are doing it. If you continue, you're going to get a, probably some spoilers. So you've been warned. Basically, it picks up where immediately where season one left off. You know, they go their separate ways. They're doing research on the uh, everything to do with the case up to this point. And naturally, with the Ingrid Cole aspect of it, they basically find out that Ingrid Cole, through Facebook and connections, that maybe he, he had passed away in an accident. They actually go to West Virginia and talk to somebody who, for lack of a better word, has a... Uh, relationship or has contact with Ingrid Cole and his supposed crewmates, or I know one of them is said to be a son, and they went to this person and actually talked to them and found out that the son, I believe, and one of the other crew members, I mean, I guess crew, or they have a ship, I don't know, came and said there was an accident and he is no longer present. He is dead. Whether you want to believe this or not, this is entirely up to you. Now, this portion of the story is a little far-fetched for me. Whether or not Ingrid Colt is real and what his role is in the Mothman situation out of Point Pleasant or his role in this portion of the Goblin and Hellier and everything that's going on in Kentucky, it's a bit of a stretch, like I said. But it's a stone that needs to be turned. I mean, I can't fault them for going down that road, but it's it needs to be turned. And it makes for great television. That is one thing about this series that I really like. It makes for fascinating television. You want to binge it. And if you if you have an interest in this, I guess I should preface it by saying that, you want to binge this show. Now, the whole beginning of, like I said earlier, of the show is a little bit slow because they're trying to figure out Terry Risk is who sent the uh, email originally to the Newkirks. And he is the one they could not actually prove existed. So obviously this was some sort of alias or somebody was screwing with him, which is something they actually do kind of uh, ponder in the uh, in the show. So they are trying to connect the dots and find out exactly who Terry Wrist is, what is his true identity. Now they have opinions and they have theories, but this is one aspect of the show that is continued to be a mystery. They do not actually 
answer the question throughout the series who Terry Wrist is. They have a pretty good idea. They talk to people who know who Terry Wrist is, and they, that is a alias, but you do not know who it is. Now, naturally, with the season one, in the timeline's a little confusing. They get another email from another young lady who is also in Kentucky, and I will get to her location in just a moment. It's a very urgent, very life and death, and that is used, I believe, in her subject line. He answers and has some communication with her. But with the whole Terry Wrist aspect of the show, they're leery of this girl and whether or not it's basically somebody screwing with them, who naturally they're fans of the show and they want to inject themselves into the story. And they have to actually basically find out her true identity and do some investigation there. Now, she does give clues to her identity on purpose to let them know that she is real, let them know that this is not a hoax. They track those down and they do find her location and they, you know, do a little bit of a background check on her. And she's a legitimate person. Now, the reality of her story is another question. It's interesting now, for sure, and it's a little far-fetched, and it takes the series in a different turn that I wasn't expecting, and I found it very interesting, and I liked the turn, because I've always said that the paranormal is just not ghosts and weird supernatural shit. It is a combination of everything. There's a tie, and there's a direct link between spirit world, UFO, abductions, cryptid, there is something that bonds them all together. Now, what that is, I don't know. And that is really where I feel a lot of the research needs to go, is how do these all connect? What does it mean? But this season two really brings in that other end of the spectrum to the paranormal. And that's really what I like, because I like how they're tying all this together and actually they're opening new possible doorways that could lead to some more questions or some more answers. Now, this young lady, after she uh, contacts them and she does, they do have a back and forth. They don't go into a lot of de- detail of what the conversation is. She drops off the face of the earth. Now, if you've watched season one, it's this is kind of what has happened with Terry Wrist. He dropped off the face of the earth. And they do actually try to send them more emails and speak you know, get a response out of them to see what is out of him or her, I guess, we, since we don't know her his, his or her identity. This girl that comes, injects herself into the investigation really has a lot of terrorist-type qualities. The only difference is they are pretty sure they know who she is. She's a legitimate person that has a real name and her have a little bit of her background, a little bit of her issues. So naturally, they spend time tracking down this lead. Now, while they're tracking down this lead and trying to reach out to her and wonder why, wondering why she actually broke contact, wondering why she actually find out her story and what let her elaborate on it, because her story is very interesting and it's a little far-fetched, like I said. Now, I'll get to that in just a minute. Now, in season one, they're running a parallel storyline, essentially. While they added a member, and he was actually on season one, but he's more prevalent in season two. Now, season one, he was just on the phone. They talked about him. Season 
two, he's actually joined the investigation and doing some field research and doing some stuff for them and adding to the investigation. So while they're tracking this down, they, if you remember from season one, if you haven't, they have some numbers, what they feel are coordinates. Now, these coordinates are in North Carolina in the Brown Mountain area. In the paranormal world, we have, we've all heard of the Brown Mountain area that is ripe with paranormal activity, cryptids, UFO sightings. It's got it all and even some government stuff. So he goes, checks on these, what they feel are coordinates and find out exactly what's here. So while he's doing that, they're come to grips with her story. They link them together because of what she says. Now, her story is a little bit more occult, occultish, for lack of a better word. She ties in the goblins. She ties in the little green men. But she's saying that the people, there are citizens, there are people that are part of a secret society. I hate to use the word secret society, but that's basically what it is. There are people, the government is involved, they are doing things, they are practicing magic, they are practicing witchcraft, they are dealing with the darker arts, and everybody in what is her town, she believes, is involved in it, and it goes very high up, even government levels, which is really, I've always, I've wanted to kind of cover some conspiracy, government conspiracy type stuff on the podcast, and I haven't yet, I've talked about it a little bit and I've done a little bit of research because there is something to conspiracies. All conspiracy theorists are not hacks or are not crazy. They do have a little bit of a beef because the government does not tell us everything. Every government does it. It doesn't mean that there's anything nefarious going on necessarily, but you can't rule it out. The government does do some shady shit and that is 100% fact. Now, we know they lie to us too. So that is the breeding ground for conspiracies. Now, are all the conspiracies out there completely relevant or 100% factual? No, but there may be some truth to some of these conspiracy theories that have been floated around, especially when you're dealing with the paranormal. And I will do an episode on um, the government's role in like uh, MK Ultra, not really MK Ultra, but psychic mediums, remote viewing. The government spent a shit ton of money researching it and there are some believe they are still doing it to this day so the government does put some weight behind this whole supernatural or paranormal field there is something to it because the government is spending money trying to investigate it and they are doing investigation on ufos we are we know that for sure now but what does it all mean so that is a turn that this season took that I didn't see coming. It started involving a little bit more darker, a little bit more of occult stuff, which is very possible. There are some dark arts type people probably in this world working to better themselves and to the detriment of other people. Now, is it 100% evil? I don't know. I don't think it's good, especially if you are talking human sacrifice, blood rituals. The town that they track this young lady down to is really, really fascinating because I have a connection to it. I've been there. I've vacationed there. I've spent a lot of time there. I have no people that have homes or cabins in this area of Kentucky. And it is a popular destination, you know, travel destination in the 
summer months because of the lake that's by there, and that is Somerset, Kentucky. If you've been to Somerset, Kentucky, you know Lake Cumberland's a big tourist area. There's always boaters there. There's The town always has a lot of people in it during the summer months. Now, she's from that area. They finally f- track her down again after the silence, and she's been arrested. Now, one of the very interesting things that in her first communications with the group, you know, she said they're coming after me. She's she's afraid for her life. They feel she's come. they're coming after her, and coincidentally, she ends up in jail. Yes, it is a coincidence, and during one of the episodes, and they're talking about her, She's disenfranchised. She has relatives that are spending time in jail anyway, so she's on the bottom rung of society, not by choice maybe, or just by bad luck. So they need to kind of put that into, factor that into the equation. But they catch up to her. They find out she's in jail. They do actually do a video conference with her, and she goes into talking about the cave system which is the mammoth cave, mammoth cave system, which they covered in season one, is what they were investigating. That's what these goblins were said to, where they they live, essentially. They're guarding these. And she ties it together, saying that there are people or societies doing dark arts, evil-type rituals in these caves, and they have wizards and these goblins that actually guard the entrance to the cave. And she says it goes all the way up to the local government, maybe even higher than that, which, you know, if the local government's involved in it, odds are the state government and even possibly the federal government's involved as well. Now, this is a bit far-fetched, and I need, I'm not saying she's completely full of shit. I'm not saying she's making it all up. There are definitely rituals being done. There are definitely people that are practicing black magic or darker magic or chaos magic or sex magic or whatever. But does it necessarily mean the government's behind it? I don't know. But it's an inter- it's an interesting take and it makes for great television. That's the number one point. It makes for great television. There's probably some truth to it, but it could very well be that it's being overblown. But that is what the investigation is for. That is what they're doing. They're trying to connect the dots. And hopefully these Docs can continue to be connected and they're not reaching too far. Now, they, like I said earlier, they do do a lot of or talk a lot about synchronicities. I think they put a little bit too much emphasis on it. Yes, there are synchronicities. I'm not a big believer in coincidences, but some of the dots that they are connecting when it comes to the synchronicities are a little bit far fetched. That is one of my one of my things. I don't. I'm not as fond of the series as the the series in a whole, but. It's not a deal breaker for me. The problem is when you start investigating these synchronicities, it can lead you down the wrong path. You can waste time. That is my only issue. I'm not saying it's all BS, but you have to be very selective and you have to kind of be a little bit skeptical when it comes to the synchronicity side of it. You can keep it in the back of your mind, but you don't. You can't base your entire investigation on it. And sometimes I feel they do put a little too much into the synchronicities of it. It's something to keep. Keep there and know it's there, but not base your entire investigation on it. So, what does this mean for the paranormal? And I do like this series. I think this is the the way paranormal television should start going. Um, Everybody knows the format that Ghost Adventures, The Dead Files, not The Dead Files, that 
not that horse shit, but Ghost Nation, the new reboot of Ghost Hunters, um, Ghost Brothers, all these paranormal investigating shows fit the same format. They fall under the same category. They all do it the freaking same. They go to a location, investigate it, and that's the episode. To where this is, they're dealing with one investigation, and they are working on overturning stones, finding answers, and that's what the whole season's about. I like this way of investigate or this way of doing an investigation for television. Now you can go to a haunted asylum and spend a couple hours there and make an episode out of it, but it's boring. It's played out. I think if these other series series want to compete, they're going to have to expand. They're going to have to grow and maybe move a little bit toward this way of investigating or planning their seasons out. Pick a location, maybe. Instead of doing a documentary, uh, an hour and a half documentary on it, work it out to a whole season. Answer questions. Do Show the research. Do a complete history of the location. Make that into the whole season. Just not wham, bam, go to a location, investigate a night, catch what you catch, talk about it, and then move on to the next and do that 20 times or 12 times or however many episodes you have for the season. That is boring and it doesn't do anything intellectually for me anymore. I know what's coming. I know what they're doing to where this, you're solving a mystery, essentially. And that's what the paranormal paranormal is. It's a mystery. We don't know what the hell's going on. And I like the way they, I mean, the shooting, the cinematography of it, the way they shoot it, the way they edit it is, I like it. It's visually appealing. I don't think they, the Newkirks are a little bit more into the supernatural side of the paranormal, which is okay. I mean, that is a, that is a portion of it. I'm not big into the tarot. Honestly, I don't know a lot about the tarot, but I don't discount it. I'm ignorant about the subject and I'll probably do some research into that. I like the conspiracy aspect of it. I like the fact that this ties in the government, ties in to the Mothman and maybe it all is connected. And that is what I really like about the series. And I hope that other shows, if they want to compete and gain an audience, they need to kind of follow this format rather than just, like I said, the wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, and go hit a location, investigate for a few hours, go to another location. And each episode's a different location. No. Spend time at Waverly or pick any number of supposed haunted locations. Let's find out why they're haunted, document some evidence, but find out why. And Kindred Spirits does do that a little bit, but it's still one episode, one investigation. You know, let's kind of, I'm more, I'd like to know more about the location. Let's dive into the history. Let's do more research. They're doing the research. Let's show that part of it. And I'd be okay with that. Pick out one location and do a deep dive on it and go down the rabbit hole do the investigation, do your research, and just keep moving on and get a whole season out of it. Or I don't even care, maybe two, three. You do spend three, four episodes on one location. That would work for me too, but just there's so much to fit into what whatever they use, 45, 42, 45, 48 minutes, whatever it is of actual runtime. There's so much that goes into the investigation, into the research, into the site itself, you're just highlighting, you're just hitting the, the high notes. 
let's spend a little bit more time on it and give us a little bit more of a backstory. That way we understand as viewers what's going on at the location and we have a better idea and we can relate a little bit more to the actual investigation and whatever evidence a place might find. And naturally, you know, hell year two, they didn't get any answers. There's even more questions now than there was in, was in the beginning, but that's okay. That means I'll come back for season two or season three. Now, critics have kind of, you know, I've read great reviews and I've read completely, you know, reviews that panned it. Now, mo- if I'm being honest from reading the negative reviews of it, it's just because they're showing their bias against the paranormal in the way they're reviewing it. That is the one common denominator in all the negative reviews. They're not buying, they don't buy the paranormal, so they don't buy the show. I mean, you take the paranormal out of it, it's a brilliant series. It's a, it was a great season. It's visually appealing. Like I said, the editing's good. The, I like how they enter, you know, intertwine the storylines. There's several things going on, but it's shot extremely well. It's edited really well. And the content's really good. So it's a hit for me. I I'm, hope they do a season three. I'm sure they will. I even hope they maybe even get a bigger deal. That way, maybe get a network deal, which actually, no, I'm going to strike that. I don't want them to get a net- network deal because if they get a network deal, you get executives involved. If they do that, it's just going to go down the ghost adventures and all that. They need to, I hope they stay the way they are. I just hope they find a way to get it to more more accessible for other people. So I think that's going to wrap up this episode. I strongly recommend you go check it out. I enjoyed it. I think you will too. If you haven't checked out Hell Your Season 2, be sure to binge the first season first before you go to that. Um, let me know what you think. Send me an email at gitnpodcast at gmail.com or you can go to the website for the show. That's ghostinthenightpodcast.com or Hook up with me on Twitter at night underscore ghost. That's going to wrap it up. So next week, I don't know what we're going to talk about next week. We'll see. So until next week, take care, everybody. HR company needs to be prepared for whatever is going to happen. You could say that over 70 years of experience helping businesses all over the world run smoothly is good preparation. But for ADP, that's not enough. To make sure millions of people are getting paid on time and in compliance, we're staying on top of each new piece of legislation. So when it comes down to it, ADP isn't just a payroll and HR company. We're the company that helps you navigate the complexities. ADP, HR talent, time, benefits, and payroll. Informed by data and designed for people. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. 
Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it.